0: Hello there welcome to another episode of the thrifty marketer podcast today we will be doing content marketing masterclass with joe polizzi author podcaster speaker and entrepreneur joe is the amazon best-selling author of content inc killing marketing and epic content marketing which was named a must-read business book by fortune magazine His novel, The Will to Die, was awarded Best Suspense Book of 2020 by the National Indie Excellence Awards. Joe's latest version of Content Inc. will be released in May 2021. He has founded four companies including the Tilt and Content Marketing Institute. In 2014, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Content Council. His podcast series, This Old Marketing with Robert Rose, has millions of downloads from over 150 countries. His foundation, The Orange Effect, delivers speech therapy and technology services to children in over 35 states. Let's listen to Joe.
1: So I'm super excited. Super, 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 duper excited because I've been telling you guys, right? A lot of special people who are very close to my heart have joined this show. There was Brian Kramer. There's Mark Schaefer. Lot of lot of amazing people. You know Rand Fishkin, and all these are my teachers. Whatever I know about marketing, I have learned from them. So today, as you all know, I am a big fan of content marketing. I try to produce a lot of content which is straight from my heart. I whatever I've something is new, I try that. So today's guest is my teacher in content marketing. Whatever I know whatever blog post you guys read about from my end on thriftymarket.com, all thanks to this person. So today I have Joe Pelluzzi with me. He is the founder of Content Marketing Institute. He's the Amazon best-selling author of Content Inc., Killing Marketing and Epic Content Marketing, which was named a must-read business book by Fortune Magazine. If you guys haven't checked out Content Inc., Please go check it out right now. It's one of the best books you can read about building a content-based business. There's a new version coming up. We have all these questions coming up for Joe. Uh, He also written a novel recently, The Will to Die, which was awarded the best suspense book of 2020 by the National Indie Excellence Award. His latest version of contenting, as I mentioned, will be released in May 2021. I am super excited about that. He has founded four companies including digital content news site, The Tilt. If you haven't signed up for The Tilt, please do check it out and sign up for it. You will start getting this amazing newsletters from him and his team. As well as he has founded Content Marketing Institute as well. In 2014, he received the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Content Council. I call him the father of content marketing. I don't know whether he will agree to that or not, but we will ask him. His podcast series, This Old Marketing with Robert Ross, another expert in this field, has millions of downloads from over 150 countries. Another big part, big uh, area where he works, his, his foundation, The Orange Effect, it delivers speech therapy and technology services to children in over 35 states. We will be asking all this from Joe. Let him, Let me bring him on first.
2: Hello, sir. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm so happy to see you, and I'm so happy to chat with you like this uh, for the first time.
2: No, I am honored to be on, and uh, I hope people made it through that long introduction you had of me, and uh, <laughs> you are still with us, but I'm excited to talk a little content marketing and uh, and have some fun along the way
1: thank you so much uh, for taking time out today and uh, you know it's this is a show which i started during coronavirus covid pandemic and i wanted to bring on people like you who have done a lot of work in the area where you are uh, an expert and wanted to get some lessons from you and you know which we can pass on to other people and move on so i have just uh, curated a set of questions uh, for you uh, it will have your journey uh, content marketing Ah, uh, tilt, orange effect, all those things, and uh, if you're ready, we can start on.
2: I'm ready. Let's go. I'm excited. Absolutely fantastic. Uh,
1: so, Joe, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, you're one of the founding fathers of content marketing, and even co uh, even founded Content Marketing Institute. So, how did this love with content start? And if you can take us through that journey, that will be fantastic.
2: Well, the I mean, it started. I started in the publishing industry twenty one years ago. Now, oh. and then was a company called Pent Media, which was the largest independent business to business publisher at the time. And we had a, we had about 45 to 47 different media brands, mostly magazines. Right. Well, I was lucky enough to get put in the custom publishing or the custom media division. So instead of doing what everyone else did was sell magazine advertising, I was responsible to go into companies like Microsoft and Autodesk and figure out how to tell their stories for them. At first, this looked just like a custom magazine that you'd receive in the post, but then it evolved into webinar series, blogging, email newsletters, all those types of things. And I fell in love with it immediately because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to go through a middle person. I don't have to go through a newspaper or a magazine or an online news outlet to reach my customers. I can actually reach them directly and I was like, okay, well, how do we do that? We do that by delivering valuable, relevant, uh, and consistent content to them through one channel. It could be a magazine, could be a blog, newsletter. Now, today, it could be Snapchat, TikTok, whatever the case is. Yeah. And I just thought that's the best kind of marketing you could you could have because instead of selling, talking about selling your products and services, you're trying to reach the audience where they are and deliver on their pain points what are they what do they need to hear what are they dealing with in their life that you can solve through information and if you can build a loyal audience over time then they'll end up buying more stuff from you and that's sort of the essence of content marketing so i'm like okay if you can deliver valuable relevant compelling information on a consistent basis build that loyal audience that loyal audience will then you know be your audience for life you'd be your customer for life so there it started 20 years ago And then I had the itch to start a business and in 2007 started what became the Content Marketing Institute. And then, you know, for the next 10 years was all about, you know, how do we talk to marketers and use this new muscle that they've never used before, this thing called content marketing, because we're all used to interrupting people. I mean, that's what marketing has been for the last 30 years. It's, I mean, when, when television became big, it was all about interruption, newspapers, magazines. And now we're going to a new style of marketing that most people aren't used to. I mean, if you go in, you know, 20 years ago when I was going into a large company, uh, they would be like, okay, we're creating content, but we're not talking about our product and service. Didn't make sense to them. I'm like, no, you actually, (laughs) you have to actually give them really good information. That's going to help them. If you just start to sell to them, they're going to ignore it. So this whole evolution and now we're in 2021. Content marketing is one of the fastest growing marketing areas on the planet. It has been so Absolutely. for a long time. And uh, I've sort of committed my career and my profession to teaching people about this art, and I will continue to do so <laughs> for the next many years, it looks like.
1: Absolutely. So we are totally grateful for that. I could have. I, could, I can imagine the struggle you might have gone through to convince people about this new art, as you called it, you know, in the beginning days. Right. So uh, content marketing has evolved a lot over the period of last decade or so, but some things never change. So, you know, what, according to you, forms a great foundation for a good content marketing strategy?
2: Well, I'm, a, I'm sort of a historian of media companies. I've been, <laughs> as you know, in right. my books and on this whole marketing podcast, we talk about examples from 300 years ago that were really yes. content marketing examples. And what you learn through that is that it's all about simplicity. If you want to be successful in content marketing, you focus on one audience, what's that audience's needs. And then you build a platform on one base. Is it a podcast? Is it a video series on YouTube? Is it an email newsletter? Is it a webinar series? Is it an in-person event series? Whatever it is. So you can give some examples, like TED Talks built on an in-person event series. Huffington Post built on just doing a blog. The New York yeah. Times, Financial Times, they built on a newspaper. It's all the same. But, so look at today at what people are doing. Still today, if you look at the most successful you know, content marketers, marketers on the planet, they start by doing just one thing really well. It's funny. I don't know. Do you, are you aware of the YouTuber called Mr. Beast? Are you aware uh, of him?
1: No, no. doesn't no. matter.
2: He's, he's one of the most popular YouTubers on the planet. He has like 100 million subscribers on YouTube. And he talks about this all the time. He became successful by producing a, an amazing video every other day on YouTube. And he did it for 10 years. And wow. now he's got the biggest audience. He's a billionaire. He's doing everything he wants to do. But people think that, oh, I got to create content. And then I've got to be everywhere my audience is at online. It's not true. You don't. You have to focus on, and the reason is is because it's very difficult to break through all that clutter. So you have to focus on a very particular audience with a very particular message, and you have to do so consistently on one platform to start. That doesn't mean that you can't get into the all the other stuff. You absolutely can, but you have to start by being great at one thing. So I think that's where I've learned, you know, if you look at the history of media and the history of content marketing, it's still exactly the same. So when we talk to a small business today, they might say, Joe, I want to do the podcast and I want to be on Twitter and I want to be on LinkedIn and I want to do a a stream online. And and I'm like, great. I'm glad you want to do all those things. But if you do all those things at the same time, you won't be successful. What you um, let's choose one. Let's practice with one, work out all the bugs with one, start building your subscriber base over time then when you build that audience we call it a minimum viable audience whatever that is that could be 1000 subscribers 5000 subscribers 10000 subscribers then you can diversify it generally takes about 9 to 12 months on one platform before moving to another so this, the simplicity of the of the act of the profession itself is probably my favorite thing cuz it's not complex we make it complex but we need right. to keep it simple
1: right that's that's the simplest and the fantastic one fantastic advice i think everybody should need to hear today because we are also uh, bombarded with so many channels we want to be everywhere we want to yeah. be everywhere yeah yeah all right so you know everybody is producing content looking for attention business growth etc so uh, i focus mostly on smbs uh, because smbs need the maximum support at the moment mm-hmm. so how can brands and smbs stand out using content today.
2: I would, first of all, don't think about what you're going to sell. Right. Take a step back for a second and just focus on your customer, your audience. And I would, I I call them using listening posts, but talk to them, go to Twitter, figure out what their challenges are. And I would write those challenges down. What are the biggest challenges my customers have right now? What keeps them up at night? What's their pain points? And write those down. And then you get together with your team and you're, you figure out, okay, what can we solve through information? Not our product, because I know everybody loves their product and we want to talk about our product and service, which is fine. But we're talking about a different kind of marketing here. So what are what, what is one thing that you can focus on and deliver a solution with content? Let's just say it's an email newsletter. Could you do a weekly email newsletter to them that solves that problem to that particular audience once a week? I don't know. Could yeah. you? Could you do it as a podcast? Could you? So that's kind of what we're thinking of with content marketing and specifically with small and medium sized businesses. Right. Simplify the model, focus on one pain point, and go as small as you can. What a lot of small businesses, even large businesses, They want to, what I call, boil the ocean with content. They want to go really broad with their audience because they're like, oh, we want to reach as many people as possible. Well, that, that means your content will just fall into all that content clutter mess and you'll never reach anybody. So you want to focus on the most niche audience you can with a very particular problem. And if you can solve that better than anyone else, you become the leading informational expert over that particular thing. Once you do that, then you can broaden out. So I would just... Keep it simple. Focus on one thing and be the best at it. And if you look at all, like, just look at all the great media companies that you follow and then go right. back and figure out how they started. They all started the same way. One problem, solving that with one one particular way. And then you look and 10 years, 15 years later, there is this huge media conglomerate. It always starts right. with one small thing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's a fantastic tip there. All right. So, um, you know, coming back to a little bit of on the trend side, what are some of the major shifts you have observed in content marketing in recent times? And how can brands align themselves to those?
2: Well, I think if you're looking at the biggest trend from a media standpoint, it's probably audio. Uh, I think everybody, when you know when YouTube came out, everybody ran to video. Video is still incredibly popular. YouTube is still the second largest search engine on the planet. But if you're looking at a lot of the innovation that's happening right now, it seems to be in the audio space. We've seen what's going on in social audio. Whether you're looking at Clubhouse, whether you're looking at uh, Twitter Spaces, Facebook is looking at launching an audio uh, platform. Spotify is putting all kinds of money into the business, looking at creators. What I love about, I've always been a fan of audio. I've been podcasting for almost 10 years now, uh, which seems like a long time, but there's a lot of other people that have been <laughs> doing it longer. What I love about audio, it is, it's the one medium where people can multitask. You can drive to work. Uh, you can work out. You, you can do all kinds of things while you're listening to audio. You can't do say the same things about reading, text, or about uh, video. So I think there's a real opportunity. Continue, We continue to see great growth in um, in audio and podcasting. So I like that. I, and I, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a small business, I would look at audio being a, uh, a channel to look at as to to create your content marketing platform behind.
1: Right.
2: So that's one. Right. The other thing, and this is, of course, you know, there's all kinds of social media channels, TikTok's huge going off the off the rails uh snapchat's still as big as ever we don't know what to make of facebook but there's still a huge a monster of social media i have been hearing from a lot of content entrepreneurs this move to more controlled media this move to email is the thing that's happening right now a lot of people don't believe it's happening because email is such an old technology Right. But I think you're you're sensing a lot of frustration from a lot of businesses where they've been building their content house on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, and they don't control those algorithms, they don't control those subscribers, and you get scared. Right. Um, somebody could subscribe to your YouTube channel, but you that doesn't mean that YouTube's going to show your video to them when they subscribe. Absolutely. So Absolutely. you're seeing a lot of movement back to email. That's one of the reasons you mentioned us starting the tilt our new email newsletter that's one of the reasons why we started as an email newsletter because we wanted as much control as possible and as much direct data with our customers because we can't count on these uh, these middle businesses like facebook like linkedin to right. handle that data in a way that benefits us because right. we could lose that access so that's a trend I think we'll continue to see for the next 12 to 18 months where you see a lot of businesses that started building their content house on what I call rented land and move to more owned media such as email newsletters.
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, I I, remember, I I just signed up for the tilt, and I think there was a one fantastic uh, piece on audio platforms the other day. I just read that and that's Thank fantastic. That's we're trying,
2: we're, you know, <laughs> we're, we're, we you know, there's, everyone's got problems right now and we're trying to, you know, I don't know if it's being covered enough. So we're trying to cover it. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. So, you know, uh, from you, uh, I want to get some super, super duper advice, actionable advice. So what are your top three advice for SMB and brand owners who are still skeptical about the power of content for their brand?
2: Well, if you're skeptical about it, you you have to, there's a couple different ways to do it. Uh one is you have to test somewhere. If you're going to do it, you have to test. But right. generally, it's tough to test in any business that doesn't believe it because you're not going to get the internal support. Right. I've been I've worked mostly in billion multi-billion dollar enterprises all my life. And content marketing programs don't get killed because of lack of success in the program, they get killed because of lack of support. Absolutely. Always the case. So how do you build support? Generally, you do it through fear. You do it through missing out because what you should show, and so, so let's say I'm a a, a biz, electronics business online and I want to do some content marketing initiative and my chief executive officer doesn't want to do it or my chief marketing officer doesn't do it. I would go out and research, well, what are people in my industry doing? Re- and you, what you will find is that in your industry, your competitors are building audiences. There's this rush to audience building right now. They're going out and building right. audiences, and you're going to be left out. What does that mean? Right. That means long term, they're building an asset that they can le- of audience asset that they can leverage in many, many different ways. More loyal customers that just better customers that buy more maybe better yield they can monetize right. those customers in many different ways cuz they have that owned audience while you right. are you have to rely on paid media it's right. which is more expensive which is more uh, inefficient than right. long term it is having your own audience so then I would say, here's what this competitor is doing. Here's what that's competitor. I probably helped to launch more content marketing projects through that fear of being left out or fear of what my competitor is doing than anything else. So then once you get that and say, Hey, look, are we going to be left? There's, there's little tricks you could do too. Like you could, if you wanted to start a blog, you, you basically just start typing in keywords and you say, well, go to your chief marketing officer. What should we be found for? If you type in certain keywords and you're not there. That's a problem, and then you're going to see right. all your competitors are there. Why aren't we there? Yeah. Well, because yeah. they're creating relevant content through their blog, and we're not doing it. Right. So generally, that seems to be the way that it starts. And then I would start very simply with focusing on that one thing. Like, what do we what do we really want to do? Okay. Well, I have to show success to my con- to my marketing director by getting found more in Google. Yeah. All right that's fine. I mean, that's an internal KPI that you probably want to see getting found in Google to leads, leads through the pipeline. I get it. We've got to deal with that. But then go back and say, okay, what can we do? You might say, well, maybe a blog e-newsletter combo would really work well for some of this stuff. And then you could do something like, uh, and I'm a big fan of a, a rolling list of keyword phrases. And I'll say, okay, here's the rolling list, the 50 to 100 keyword phrases that we need to be found for. Here's where we rank right now, which is terrible. And you can actually look at that ranking over a period of time and create information based on every one of those keywords. Not a new strategy. Strategy has been done for 15 years. Still an effective strategy if you're just getting started and then just start with a pilot project. Start with one thing and you have to make a hypothesis. This is an informed guess. You don't know, like. It, would a podcast be better to start than a blog? Would a blog be better to start than a YouTube series? You have to figure out right. what the audience's needs are, where the audience is hanging out online and what you're good at. If you have a lot of r- people in your organization that have great radio voices, maybe a podcast is for you. If you've got really good connections in the industry, maybe a Q&A interview series like you're doing, maybe that works better. Then doing just articles, maybe you've got some really good engineering talent in your organization and you've got a good editor that can take that information and create educational blog posts. Great. That's all the first two months of figuring out where you can actually, you know, be the best in the world at one thing and build an audience.
1: Absolutely, that's that's the best actionable advice I have ever heard. Actually, and, uh, <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, I think it's it, it, You lay out a entire plan. Somebody can just listen to this and start doing it. Actually, <laughs> that's
2: fantastic. It's, it's it's crazy though. I mean, it really. I've seen a couple programs that were working so well. Like they were they were award winning content marketing case studies. They were doing great. They were building, bringing in new customers and audience, and they literally got chopped. And got killed because the chief marketing officer didn't understand the program. So, oh, I think I lost you. Now, I don't know if you're still here.
1: Hey. hey uh so sorry about it there's thunderstorms and things going on so power just
2: i burned. you know what it, i didn't know if it was me but it you you went dim right before it <laughs> i figured it was a power outage or something so
1: so, so sorry about That's that
2: it's okay so it happens yes yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, good
1: so it's a lot of windy uh, weather today so in india the moment weather goes bad first thing goes out is electricity there you go <laughs> so all right all right yeah you are saying about some great marketing plans being slashed off.
2: Yeah, I mean it, it, so that's why if you don't have this problem in a small business. It usually the CEO is involved in marketing a little bit. So everyone has to be have a little bit more consensus out of something that we're going to do. In a large company you sometimes you have a marketing director or content marketing person launch something but then when you get a change in chief marketing officers, which happens as we know at right. less than every two years, they come yeah. in and they'll look at something. And if they don't, if they come from a traditional advertising background, they'll say, what are we doing? This isn't helping right. the sales team. We need to drive more products. They're, they're a publicly traded company. So they have all kinds of metrics to hit. We don't have time for this because right. content marketing for it to work takes time. So if you said, if, you, if somebody comes to me and they say, Joe, I wanna do content marketing. And I've got six months. What can I do? I say, don't do content marketing. (laughs) Go buy advertising. Uh, Uh, Because you need short-term results. You're not going to get short-term results. Uh, You're not going to get any results probably with content marketing. Those results come 12 to 18 months to 24 months. Really good long-term. Build a a long-term asset. Competitive advantage in two, three years. Quick stuff doesn't happen.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's one of the biggest myths we need to bust about content marketing, right? So, if you if you, if you have to prepare a quick content marketing plan plan for an SMB, what will be the uh, you already mentioned about it the key steps? So, what will be the key ingredients or key steps involved in that?
2: So the. I mean, basically, I'd probably go through the plan that I talk about in the Content Inc. Yes. book. But, but the idea is the first thing you start with is what I call the sweet spot. And that's the intersection mm-hmm. between what you are good at as an organization and what your audience's desire is. So right. basically, you list, okay, we we talked a little bit about this, but what are all the things that we have expertise in that's maybe a little bit better than most? That's on the right. one side. And on the other side... What are our audience's pain points? What keeps them up at night? And then together that intersection you create that, what is that sweet spot? So for us in our new launch, we just went through this project. Our sweet spot is this idea of uh, content businesses that actually want to create a sustainable business. So right. an entrepreneur that wants to start a content business, but how do they do so long-term and not just as a hobby? So we're like, oh, okay, that's something in the middle. We can talk about that. We know that's a pain point, good. Then we take it to step two. Step two is the most critical. It's what we call the content tilt. The content tilt is you have to find that one area that you can differentiate so you can cut through all that clutter. It's like a hook. Um, How do do I hook my audience in? How do I ensnare them in whatever this content opportunity is? Like for us in the tilt, it's this idea of the content entrepreneur. A lot of people aren't talking about it. We think that's the term that people are going to be intrigued with. So, you know, you have to find out what makes us special. What makes this so different? Is it, are you creating it on a new platform? Do you have a different kind of personality? Um, Do you, uh, do are you, are you launching it in a way that people are unexpected to people? Maybe nobody's doing an email newsletter on this. Maybe nobody's doing a podcast on this. Maybe you're an engineer and you have the sense of humor and there's nothing that has a sense of humor. So just, you kind of have to figure out what makes it different why would people tune in why would people show up yeah, so that's absolutely. you know that's like the first two months and you haven't even created content yet and sure. then you go into making the decision okay how am i going to tell this story okay here's what i'm gonna the content tilt that's what i'm going to tell the story on it's a little bit different how am i going to tell the story i'm going to te- uh tell it through textual uh, on a blog? Am I going to s- tell it to audio on a podcast? Is it going to be video on YouTube? You know, you have to think about that. That's building the base. That's what we talked about, that one platform thing. Right. And then you pick your frequency. Just like a heartbeat has a rhythm, right. you have to have a rhythm. If you don't have a rhythm, you will lose people. I know so many small businesses that start and they'll do even an e newsletter, a podcast, actually. Video is the best because everyone does video wrong. They'll do, oh, I'm going to launch. I'm going to upload two videos to YouTube today and then one in two weeks and then three more the next week. I'm like, what are you doing? Like your show, like you have episode 38. This is your show, right? So you do your show at a regular time every time. That's what every business has to do. So you have to decide what that is. And it doesn't have to be every day it just right. has to be consistent so what can you do at a minimum to create the maximum amount of results so you have to figure out what that is right. and then once you do that you just keep producing you just execute and what a lot of people don't realize is is that most people stop producing after 3 to 6 months they give up so true
1: so true <laughs> so
2: you could if you could keep cuz they'll they'll absolutely be a time you'll get to 2 or 3 months you won't have the audience you Whatever your expectations are, you don't get the audience yet. And you'll say, this isn't working. Well, right. you got to get to six to nine months before you even can start to think about something working. So you have to be patient. So I would say at least just keep doing your thing, listening to audience feedback, focus only on building audience for the first nine months. That's all you should do. And that yeah. that's what I would do. I would I would tell that to any large businesses, business, small business. Whatever industry, I would follow the exact same model.
1: Got it, got it. All right, that's that's uh, that's actually again a quick content marketing plan for any any business out there, not only SMBs actually. Uh, so now let's let's talk a little bit about social media platforms because producing content, propagating them—that's a different beast altogether. Sure. So how how big a role does social media platforms play in content marketing today?
2: Well, if you do it right, social media is amazing. I mean, when I I got lucky when I started, I started in 2007 on social media and that was the year when Twitter got hot. Uh, I started and when I was on LinkedIn at that time, they had the influencer program and I became an influencer. I got lucky with that. So a lot of it is first mover advantage. And that's why a lot of people are rushing to Clubhouse right now because they're saying, hey, there's a first mover advantage here. Here's the, Here's the thing though with social. You have to pick your spots and you have to have a goal and an ed- editorial plan for whatever social media channel that you decide on. So let's say that you your core base is a podcast. Right. Well, then I would figure out what your two social channels would f- focus on. Let's say you, you're your podcast and you're gonna say, I'm gonna focus on Twitter and LinkedIn. Let's say you're a business, business-to-business business company. Great. Right. Okay, those are the two. That means you forget the rest of them. I mean, if you want to use them for listening opportunities and just listen to what your customers are doing, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But you can't publish consistently on all these sites. It's it's You don't have enough resources to be great at it. Right. So focus on Twitter and then LinkedIn and say, okay, who are we targeting on LinkedIn? Who is our audience there? What are we trying to do? What's our promotion plan? And then you go ahead and create content just like you do on your base. And you create content on that platform in order to build an audience to, when the time is right, start getting them to go back to your base. Because ultimately, you want them to subscribe to your main content uh, initiative that you have. So I like the one-two strategy. I see a lot of people, like if you look at Joe Joe Rogan, very popular podcaster, Joe Rogan Experience. He just did a, you know, syndicated plan with Spotify for over a hundred million dollars. Joe Rogan had, okay, here's podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify. That's, you know, I'm a podcaster. He looks at YouTube and I think Instagram are his two that he focuses on. And then he doesn't do anything on Facebook. Doesn't do anything on clubhouse. Doesn't just focuses on those two works really well for him. So that's what I would say that the kind of the core to this my rambling about this is you have to have a plan on social media as well and right. figure out what that is and then dedicate some resources to it and if you don't dedicate resources to it or have a plan don't don't do it but ultimately your goal is to try to get those people to you build those audiences on those platforms and get them to become your controlled audience on your podcast on your email newsletter whatever it is
1: go that's that's amazing actually all right so uh you know let's before we move on to your story and what you're doing these days etc etc my last question about content marketing is what are the top content marketing trends that you are excited about from an smb standpoint
2: well we talked about email yep I, boy if i'm a small business today i'm looking at email um i i I Yes, when you go to social media, there's an audience already built there. Like If you're on Facebook, your audience might already be there. If you're on YouTube, you know your audience might already be there. But again, you have to take the energy to move that audience back to something that you control. You have to at some point. So maybe it makes more sense to start with just a very simple, amazing, regular email and then pay for a little bit of promotion. Right. The other trend that I'm seeing is where a lot of small businesses get in trouble is they say, okay, we're going to do content marketing and they start creating content and they spend all their resources on content creation and they spend no resources on content promotion. They don't realize that you actually have to promote the content. What's the use of creating all this content, these blogs, these podcasts, if you're not going to promote it. So let's say that a hundred percent is your budget. So, if 100% is your budget and you're starting, I would spend 25% on content creation and 75% on promotion. A lot of people don't get that. It's absolutely the way it would be. So, if you, so we're creating an email newsletter, we're spending a lot of money on promoting that paid Google ads, social ads, content partnerships, influencer partnerships. That's what we're looking at. Because right. if you don't do that, I can guarantee you six to nine months from now, it, your project's going to get cut because you're gonna be doing an email newsletter, a podcast, a YouTube show with no audience. Right. So that's that's the biggest recommendation I can make. Look at where you're spending your money for content creation and distribution and more heavily uh, push it to the promotion distribution side.
1: Right, right. Promotion is, us, if not more important, than creation itself.
2: Yeah, well, what's the, uh, yeah, I mean, what's the use? We, if we're having this show right now and you don't get anybody to watch it, are we wasting just our one. time here? We're, just, we're yeah. just having fun talking, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, <all> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> all right, so uh, you recently released a book called Corona Marketing. So, you know, can you talk a little bit about it and why you think marketers today should read that book?
2: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Corona marketing book.com. It's absolutely free. If you want a copy, go, go download it. So, uh, I, you know, I, as we know the whole world's struggling uh, with the pandemic, we're trying to come out of this and in April. So basically I wrote, as you mentioned, a, a mystery thriller novel, the will to die. I was prepared to leave content marketing for good and I was going to become a novelist. So, and then, and then the pandemic hit, And I started to get a bunch of my friends and people that I knew that were really struggling, they lost their jobs and they were trying to figure out how they could become content creators online. And they started to ask me a bunch of questions about how to do it. And that's when I said, okay, I'm going to write the second version of Content Inc. I'm going to kind of rededicate myself to this. And then instead of answering all these questions independently, I started to put them together into a book. There's 13 different tips that I put together in the book. And I said, look, you're, you have to reset right now. Everything has changed. So what do we have to do as marketers right now to kind of deal with what's happened? And I put these tips together and I said, look, you have to stop doing what we're doing before we're in a new world. And I put together, you know, how I would plan for it, how I would use some of these things we've talked about, how to use social media properly, you know, we need to think more simply. We need to focus more on our audiences. And I go through 13 steps on how to do it. And so that was sort of my I just I was just getting all the questions and I said I might as well put it together in a book and that that's what I ended up doing. But if it wasn't if it wasn't for the pandemic, I probably we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I'd be yeah. I'd be writing my second or third novel.
1: <laughs> I'm sort of that pretty sure not.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's what it is.
1: Right. I, I don't think I don't think we can take content marketing out of you. I, right. I don't th- I, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's not going to happen. Well, I think you that
2: know? I can't believe it, though. It's been over 20 years that I've been talking about the practice of content marketing. And I don't feel that old, but I guess I am now. So that's why they right. called me the godfather, because I'm, <laughs> I'm old enough to be a godfather to most people.
1: That's <laughs> right. So I'm pretty sure we we marketers we needed a manual to get through this because the initial days there was a lot of backlash on marketing uh, doing wrong things we were yeah. doing on social during the initial days of pandemic. I uh, everybody please go check out this book. It's it's gonna help uh, all of us a lot. All right. So now it's time to talk about you and your other work. Apart from content marketing and things. So the first thing I want to talk about is, it's there are three books which I refer to regularly. One is Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. Second is Content Inc. by you. And third is Known by Mark Schaefer. These
2: these,
1: These three books are always on my shelf. I keep reading them. Uh, my wife asked me to keep it back, but I still, it's on my table. I refer to it almost every month. Thank you. So, Content Inc. is one of that books, and I cannot wait for the new edition. So, people, for, for folks who have not read it, what are the key takeaways from Content Inc.? Uh, and, yeah.
2: The, the initial idea behind Content Inc., when I started writing it in 2014, so seven years ago for the first version, was I wanted to figure out if there was actually a model. Was there some kind of formula where you can predict a content creator can be a successful entrepreneur and create a multi-million-dollar media or content empire? I wanted to know. I mean, I was trying to do it at the time when we launched content marketing Institute. I didn't know if it could be done. And so I started to go out there and we interviewed all these content creators from all over the world and we went, went to the end and then we started to work backward and try to reverse engineer. And what we found out was almost everyone used the same strategy. And we really? call that the content Inc. model. We used it at a content marketing Institute. And that's what we talk about with, you know, breaking out. It was a six step model at the time. And I'm right. like, okay, this is fantastic. Now, if you're a content creator and you want to get started, just follow the model. Right. And then, um, you know, as we talked about the pandemic, and I wanted to write the new version of Content Inc. What I realized is the initial Content Inc. wasn't done because I never talked about once you become somewhat successful, what do you do then? Like, if you do you become super big, do you exit? Do you sell the business? What do you give it to your kids? Like, what do you do? <laughs> and so, I this new part, although it's all newly updated, it talks about all the new social channels. Um, a couple different changes to the formula, but it also includes an exit strategy. So I talk a lot about goal setting and exit strategy and whatever. So now the new contacting model is a seven step strategy to go through. I'm probably most proud of this book. So if you like the first content, ache, you'll like the second content. Ache. It's more than 50% of it's new. And we've well, got all new case studies and we've done more case studies globally as well because we were very, very, um, u.s driven last time so now we're using case studies from a little bit outside of north america which i'm happy about as well and the same thing works it's the same formula it's sweet spot it's content inc it's figuring out the base it's building audience and then we figure out how do we drive revenue then we figure once we drive revenue then we diversify the platform so we move from you know if we're just doing a podcast then we might move to events we might move to a magazine uh, or we might move to a webinar series, whatever the case is. And then once we do that, we build a multi-million-dollar operation, then we can decide do we want to build a huge content enter- enterprise or do we want to sell. So I know like John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneurs on Fire, he wants to have a lifestyle business. He wants to keep it like it is. If it's somebody like uh, Content Marketing Institute, my wife and I, we decided to sell, and we sold Content Marketing Institute in 2016. But you have to figure out how how do you know those options? What do you do? So I go through that in the book. And it's hopefully a detailed roadmap for anybody that creates content. And then it is targeted for entrepreneurs and small businesses. But if you are in an enterprise, you could use the same exact model inside a large enterprise as long as you're very entrepreneurial with it. Um, you can do the same thing. If you're launching a blog inside a multi-million-dollar operation, you can do the same model, and it'll, it'll work for you.
1: Fantastic! I can't wait to read this. Even the first part, uh, first uh, edition of it, it had a lot of detailed action steps for people who are working in marketing teams within organization itself. So, uh, can't wait to read it. Thank talking, you. Talking, talking about content marketing institute. I remember me attending. CMI content chat on Twitter several years ago. My favorite question every time used to be, will Joe be joined today? (laughs) I I used to keep asking that question. Your team might remember that. So I was pretty bummed when you sold the business and you were leaving. I was pretty sad. Then I saw what you did after that, which was the orange effect, which again is another fantastic, uh, very, very close to your heart project. So can you talk a little bit about
2: the story of Orange Effect uh, and the, the work you do. Sure, yeah, The Uh, We're a fundraising organization specifically focused on helping kids, children, specifically between the ages of two to seven who need speech therapy, get re- access to those resources. And I've been in doing this for since 2007, formerly we've been raising money for it. Orange Effect Foundation became an actual thing in 2014. And now we have 235 kids in 35 different states in the United States that are getting that are on our grants that are getting funding for speech therapy. What I found out going through this process, I have one child that went through this process. I take it very, very seriously. Um, There's a lot of children for whatever, whether they're they're on the autism spectrum or have some other speech disorder of some kind. In order to take the next step and have those kids be whatever they want to be, they need speech therapy. And what we've also found is that there's a lot of people struggling out there and they can't afford speech therapy or insurance does not cover that. So when that's the case and they have to choose between do I get speech therapy for my child or do I put food on the table and eat tonight? They're going to say we need to find food. That is their primary. That's what they have to do. And that's a tragedy that they have to make that decision but i totally get it so what can an organization like orange effect do we say okay we know that you need the resources for it so we vet a lot of applications that come in from needy families and then we go out and support those families we have a lot of different fundraising uh opportunities throughout the year that we do that we go through and uh and so, so that's what we're committed our time to from a from a not-for-profit standpoint and just Try to it's a really incredible need. A lot of people don't realize it. Most of the money in the autism industry, uh, industry, autism space is dedicated toward research and trying to figure out you know, how how kids you know become on the autism spectrum. But what do we do about a lot of the kids who have autism that need speech therapy? And that's what we focus on.
1: Right, right. I get totally related to because my son has the same issue. Uh, he had gone through speech therapy and things like that, so I can I can totally relate to that. Wow, I didn't know that.
2: Okay, <laughs> yeah. So you know, yeah,
1: yeah. All right. So um, the latest venture of yours, the tilt, you know, and the amazing content which has already been pouring in our inboxes, uh, you know. So I, I would love to hear more about the tilt and what lies ahead for the venture.
2: So the the tilt is are thinking that there are a lot of content creators out there that don't just want to do it as hobbies. They want to actually build sustainable businesses out of it. So as you go to the homepage, you'll see turning content creators into content entrepreneurs. And that's what we're trying to do. And most of the content creators I talk about, I would consider more gig workers or just hobbyists. And it's not that that's a bad thing. I'm not putting them down, but they're, they're making side revenue. They're a YouTuber and they're making a little bit of advertising revenue. They're a blogger and they're making a little bit of paid subscription business or whatever it is, but not enough in order to build a sustainable business, provide for their families and build a financial future, financial freedom and become financially independent. That's the whole goal of the tilt. So what we're doing, we do it two times a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we send out an email newsletter. And what we're trying to do is help content creators understand how to build a business. And that's it. And what and the reason why we decided to go that direction and got a great team working on it, there's just so much on content creation. There's the passion economy. There's the creator economy. There's all kinds of marketing organizations that are creating content about how to build an audience and how to drive revenue. But there's not a lot of people that say, how do you actually create the business behind it? And what is the business model in a lot of cases, what we've been trying to do with content Inc, what the new version does. So that's all we're trying to do. And I, if it, if it was already out there, we wouldn't have created it, but (laughs) I don't, I don't know of it. I can't find it anywhere. There's bits and pieces all over the place. So our job is to find those, find that news, disseminate that news in a way for content creators so that they can build a business. And ultimately if they want to become financially independent,
1: right right i i think i believe that that is one of the big pain point you are solving with that because there are a lot of content creators who have no idea how to take it to the next level or maybe move out of that hobby zone and make a living out of it so that's that's going to be fantastic so people can sign up at the if i'm not wrong
2: that right. is correct yeah they <laughs> if you go to the tilt.com you can't do anything else but subscribe to it we're one of those horrible landing pages that that you get one choice and that's it. But but that's what we are. We're an email newsletter. So absolutely,
1: absolutely. what are you going to do? Guys, go check it out, thetilt.com. And I'm pretty sure these are amazing content coming to your inbox. I loved reading the first two editions of it. And I'm pretty sure you also did. All right. So Joe, my final question, which I ask all my guests who come here because we are in this pandemic era. Uh, how has COVID-19 and twenty twenty How has it treated you and how is 2021 looking up?
2: Well, I talked a little bit about 2020. I totally changed focus. I mean, obviously still focused on the orange effect, still focused on, you know, what's going on with, with my family, but my profession has completely changed, pivoted. And so if, if. It's just hard to say. It's it's amazing how that one event has changed in my profession in such a different way, where now moving forward, you know, I'm working on the tilt and I'm writing again and we're doing podcast. I've got two podcasts. I'm, I'm creating content all the time uh, because, uh, you know, focusing on this new area. I, I'm, I'm excited about 2021 specifically for content creators and content entrepreneurs because they're, If you're looking at all the businesses out there that are being created, there are more businesses I would put. I don't I want to get the stat. I need to find the statistic. But I believe there's more businesses being created right now under that are content creation businesses than any other business. And you can be a content creator today and have basically a smartphone. And that's all you need to do your entire business. And you can become financially independent by just doing that so there's never been this opportunity I mean when I started in publishing 20 years ago it was really costly to get into publishing sure. it was almost um I mean that's why you had large multi uh, million dollar conglomerates that were all the media companies today a media company can be one person sure. and so it's ve- it's very exciting i'm I'm really looking forward to 2021 and a lot of really smart people that um that have a lot of energy and a lot of motivation and a lot of aspiration doing a lot of good work and it's it just comes down to grit and patience if you're absolutely. if you're patient enough because the technology is there the email technology there the social media technology is there the financial technology is there there's no more excuses anybody right. can do it today so i'm pretty excited about 2021
1: absolutely 2020 we have seen the the consumption of content has gone up exponentially uh, that, being, that being said, bad content has suffered the most yes. and good content has been consumed well on most of the platforms. So it's uh, it's glad that we got you back into this world again.
2: Thank you, sir. <laughs> even,
1: though, even though I would have loved reading your fiction again. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for taking time out and joining me today. And uh, I hope to seeing more and more great things from you.
2: No, you got it. We'll keep talking on Twitter. I appreciate all the support.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Joe. Take care. Thank you. All right. So that was Joe Plutzy. I love him. I seriously, seriously love him because, you know, it's it's the simplicity of a person that wins you over. For me, it is that. You know, I have had conversations with influencers, influencers in air quotes uh, to come on the show, and they might have said they have told me that uh, let your show complete a certain set of episodes, then I'll think about it. And I asked Joe once, and he said. How can I say no to the thrifty marketer? That was this exact reply on Twitter. I have it screenshot on my phone. So these are the people I want to see on this show because this show is all about giving maximum value. We all are struggling with our own set of problems. So thank you for tuning in today. Next week, I'll be talking about account-based marketing with one of my good friends. See you all next week. Take care and stay safe.
0: Thank you for listening to The Thrifty Marketer Podcast. For more exciting episodes like these, please follow The Thrifty Marketer Podcast today. Now available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. See you next episode.